listening to Infinite Beat on Radio Valencia. This is Topaz Zoo, and I am currently not in the Radio Valencia studio as I normally am. I am in a very magical place, the place of my guest, my current guest actually. And my guest is someone who has been just a core member of the Bay Area arts community for many, many years. He is in Never Knows. He has releases on Jacktone, computer tapes, honey tracks. He's a filmmaker, a composer, and what I like to call a true art alchemist. I have Mark Kate here. Hello. Hi, thanks for having me on. Thank you for inviting me into a very nice studio. <laughs> Welcome. That is just lovely and everything works and I am very, very dazzled by it. <laughs> so with your work, what I think is so fascinating about it is that with your music specifically, because there's a lot of different things that you do, yeah. you are sort of an art alchemist, I like to say. In your work, you seem to like have a lot of dialogue about sort of this change in the cultural climate and very specifically about being culturally attacked almost like real life horror so you know specifically you had a record about the tech industry and how it's impacting us here in the bay area and how that's impacting art really and how it's making it harder and harder to create art and be an artist and what that means specifically in our environments and with your music itself um, with records like deface or despair it's almost like it's a your music is sort of combating that sonically so through that work and where we're at now and the fact that we're constantly being culturally attacked how do you think this this has changed the climate for you as an artist i know that's like a very big question but i think something that that seems to be really critical yeah i don't know how it affects me really as an artist in my practice i feel like I'm very connected to a lot of arts communities in San Francisco, mm -hmm. but when it comes to my my time doing my work in my studio, mm. I'm a little bit removed. I'm a little bit in my own world. Mm -hmm. I'm able to sort of shut it all out, but I am reacting to what's happening in the world. Mm. And most, most of my music is somehow a reflection of that, mm -hmm. um, whether it's political or existential or it's always some some sort of personal reflection. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure that I read the news and come into the studio and then it fires me up to like write a track. It's right. not quite the way I work. Right. I'm more it's it's a little bit more of a retreat of incubation mm -hmm. where I just kind of lose myself in the machines. Mm. You know. Mm. Interesting. And you also intersect a lot of different parts of the art. So it's not just your composer. You know, I, I think I was like talking to a couple of friends about you, <laughs> really, mm. and, you know, what it means to be an artist. And we couldn't really like just describe you as a composer because <laughs> you don't just do that. That's true. I mean, the biggest thing I've done in the last year was a performance that I did yeah, um, yeah. as a collaboration with my wife, uh, mm -hmm. Phonique, Monique mm -hmm. Jenkinson. And that, I was definitely playing music, but I was also fully a performer with with lines, like <laughs> real theater, you know? Yeah. 
I know that you have a podcast about films called Scary Thoughts that I absolutely love. Thank you. And it's, it has a lot of uh, you know, commentary about specific horror films. How does your interest in film influence uh, how you create music? And what kind of soundtracks do you like? <laughs> I watch a lot of movies and I, know. I have a podcast about horror films. So I have a very directed type of watching that I do to prep for each episode of, of the podcast, which I co-produce with uh, Chad Lott. So I do a lot of film watching, but mostly horror, mostly on the, is there, a, can we say horror diaspora? Is there such a thing? Does that work? I think word. Can, yeah. I think <laughs> can we slip those two words together? But it definitely influences the kind of the kind of music I make. Um, I don't think I make horror music, but I think there's definitely um, I do take from the more abstract, the more um, experimental horror films, and sort of bring them into the way I think about music for sure. As far as what soundtracks I like. Um, I really, really loved Johan Johansson, uh, rest mm -hmm. in power, Johan. But I tend to like the ones that take chances. Um, mm -hmm. I find, generally speaking, film soundtracks are incredibly generic and boring. And even, the, even some of my favorite movies have actually really, really mundane soundtracks. They're, they tend to be very perfunctory mm -hmm. and um, not much of a character they tend to be, you know, background music. And in a, in a way, rightfully so. But that certainly doesn't contribute to a good movie. My favorite soundtracks t tend to be very iconoclastic, like The Andromeda Strain, or the Mandy soundtrack was so good, mm -hmm. or Goblin's soundtrack for Suspiria is really singular. Mm -hmm. Soundtracks that are almost another character in the film. Mm -hmm. But then again, I feel like that can be applied to any element of film. I love it when the costumes are their own character, when the cinematography mm -hmm. is as important as one of the leading actors. Mm -hmm. um, that for me is really exciting. Mm -hmm. And it's ex definitely exciting for me when the soundtrack is like that, where the soundtrack is taking a risk, taking you on a separate journey than the film and they can somehow meet in the middle. Mm -hmm. So in recent techno news, uh, I was reading about Silent Servant because he's had a few articles out recently because he's been touring so much as an artist, uh, mostly as a DJ, actually. And he's had, I believe, about two articles about self-care, really. Mm -hmm. And it's not really a conversation that people had in such a public way in terms of being a performing musician until he really started saying something about it. Yeah. Which I think is fascinating. So he, you know, he's been touring a lot. He talks about being in party scenes and, you know, obviously like getting to indulge in a lot of things that you get to in club spaces and uh, travel. They all sound like really appealing things. And after doing it for so many years, he finally said, I'm 38 and I'm tired. And, uh, you know, having all of these excesses and, and experiences is really wonderful. 
but it's time to go back to the studio and I don't want to tour anymore for now. So how do you feel about that, that he's talking about that now? And how do you cope with your own, you know, experiences being a performer and being a musician and getting burnt out essentially? Yeah. I mean, I totally get it. That reminds me of uh, my friend JD who produces as John D. Um, he, with his partner Spech, they had a, a bit of a hit in the late nineties, early aughts and started touring. And he realized that he had a decision to make if he was going to pursue success as a DJ. And he realized that being a successful DJ means you have to spend a lot of time in airports. Mm -hmm. And that was a central question for him do I want to spend a lot of time in airports? Because there's the idea of being a DJ. Mm -hmm. There's the idea of being a traveling artist. But the reality of it is not just the parties. It's also all the menial tasks that get you to and from those parties. And if you detest airports, you're going to be a miserable touring DJ. (laughs) no matter how awesome it is when you're the center of attention and everybody's offering you drugs and you're getting paid well. Right. My party threshold is pretty low. Mm. I don't I don't indulge much. I don't even drink that much despite the fact that I'm a bartender. <laughs> I don't actually <laughs> drink very much. So my capacity to sort of like go for it when I'm performing or on tour mm-hmm. or something like that is pretty restrained and always has been. Mm-hmm. Um, but what's odd, especially in the DJ world is my friends who do indulge went way farther, way faster mm-hmm. than I did or other friends who are maybe straight edge because you know, all, all art necessitates a certain kind of hustle. And in the party scene, the hustle is partying. And if you're not, at the top of your game partying, it's kind of hard to have good game and not party in the middle of a party. It's weird, (laughs) right? Right. Anyway, I don't know if that answers the question. I totally get what he's saying though, because you got to take care of yourself and being the center of attention and being in the middle of, of the party of hundreds or sometimes thousands of people is an amazing feeling, Mm. but it does take a lot out of you. And if you keep doing it and you keep doing it and you keep doing it, it can sound like you're, you know, wow, wow, you're the set, you're the life of the party and you're so sad and you're lonely and your back hurts, but it's pretty real. Mm. You know, that, that lifestyle ha- takes its toll and the rock and roll lifestyle and the techno lifestyle, they obviously involve a lot of drugs and a lot of partying, mm. but it also then, if you're touring feeds the necessity for you to stay engaged or to try and just maintain your sanity right. and it can take you down pretty fast. Yeah. Just the the concept of like talking about mental care. Yeah. With artists, which seems really crucial because people say like, "Oh, you have art. You have an outlet to talk about how you feel." And yet artists aren't really encouraged to say like I don't feel good right (laughs) you know or something's wrong here or I need to put my foot down or or, you know check my limitations yeah yeah 
speaking personally, you're also talking to someone who eats really well, does Pilates every day, meditates every morning. Like, so I, I have some foundations that are non-negotiable that, that get me through a lot. Yeah. But I think the other flip side is, especially in a city like San Francisco, where mm. it, uh, so many people are really obsessed with self-care, there's a little bit too much self-care, mm -hmm. like the... Hey, you were two hours late. Oh, you know, I was just really like I was at home and I was just kind of, I just needed to be in my space. And like, no, you were two hours late. Right. Fuck, fuck <laughs> you. Like that, you're being self-indulgent. That's not self-care. That's just, that's just narcissism. <laughs> I mean, also on the flip side for artists, like, um, I don't think a lot of people know this, but someone like Paula Temple and Paula Temple is um, a techno producer. She's been making music for a really, really, really long time. She has toured all over the world playing huge techno festivals, playing really, really intense, intense industrial techno, essentially, just to like, you know, a crowd of like thousands and thousands of people. And she's also really prolific, um, really accomplished musician, she also uh, has taught a lot of music. She is uh, Ableton certified. I can, t I can go on and on about Paula Temple because I love her. And she, people don't know, doesn't drink. And um, I don't think she's ever done a drug in her life, which I think is absolutely fascinating. Great. There's this association with being a musician and the rock and roll lifestyle, but it also kind of seems like you don't have to necessarily indulge in the rock and roll lifestyle and still be creative. Oh, totally. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, really, you should be able to forge your own path, whatever it is. Yeah. Do Pilates. Absolutely. Have good skin. You, your skin looks great, by the way. Thank you. <laughs> um, and um, I often on the show talk a lot about what it is to be an artist, specifically in the Bay Area. Yeah. And for you, like, what does that mean? That's a hard question for me to answer because I moved here to go to the San Francisco Art Institute in 1992. And so, and it wasn't just about coming to the Art Institute. It was about coming to San Francisco. Mm -hmm. There was a thing happening in this city back then that I wanted to be a part of. Mm -hmm. And I moved to the mission and I was a part of it. And that was a long fucking time ago, and it is totally over. And there's lots. There, there's still lots happening. I don't. I don't want to only lament the losses that the city has taken, but my relationship to what's happening and what has happened in art in San Francisco is that my whole trip around this city is history, and I've had to sort of reinvent my excitement mm -hmm. about art and the art communities in San Francisco pretty regularly because there's been so much turnover since 92. Turnover of people, turnover of scenes, clubs come and go, scenes come and go, mm -hmm. art galleries start and fold. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so I feel like there's a lot of fiery energy happening in Oakland right now. I don't have a car, so I don't get to participate in it as much as I wish I did, mm -hmm. but... Uh, yeah, it's it's funny. The city is increasingly full of people who don't value culture. And there are worse things that could be happening to the city. But the things that I prioritize and privilege as my values are 
less and less the priorities and values of the new San Francisco. Mm. And it's a bummer. Um, but I'm able to do my thing. And a lot of my friends are still able to do theirs. And so it's not that all is lost by any means. And not to age us. <laughs> oh, I'm old. Go for it. <laughs> we, we're, we've both been in San Francisco for far longer than a decade, obviously. Oh, yeah. So as creative leading people, how do you as an artist kind of in this changing environment, like feel like you're part of a community? Cause I think that's one thing that even I struggle with sometimes because it's changing so much because so many creative people have been forced out of the city cause they can't afford it or there's not enough spaces here to really perform as artists or show your work or any of those things. There's no funding. And it's not just happening in San Francisco. I mean, True. That is an urban situation mm -hmm. globally. Mm -hmm. Any city you go to, people talk about real estate. That wasn't true 15 years ago. Yeah. You go to London, people are talking about real estate. You go to anywhere. Mm -hmm. and, um, and that definitely is affecting yeah. arts communities a lot. I think I may be a little lucky as far as maintaining community because I've been here so long, mm -hmm. I have, and even though a lot of my friends have had to jump ship and, and leave town, I still do have a lot of friends here that I hang out with and who have also persevered and also have rent control like I do, thank <laughs> God for rent control here. Mm -hmm. But another thing is that, again, I work in a bar. Mm -hmm. Almost every one of my coworkers is a musician and their friends come through who are also musicians. And, you know, I live in the mission. It's like uh, there is still a lot happening here. There's still a lot of energy that happens here around art mm -hmm. such that I can feel really bummed out about some aspect of the city. But if I walk two blocks, I'm going to bump into somebody I know who's also an artist. It's just going to happen. And so it, it's like, well, it's still happening here. I, I feel like it's similar to when you go to Manhattan and if you go to the Lower East Side or something mm -hmm. like that, you know, it, the, the mighty hand of capitalism will just destroy every, every soul in that city. But there are artists all over there, all over the place. Somehow they, they persevere. We persevere. Mm. With this sort of new, you know, now that we are older, <laughs> there are so many young people doing so many different interesting things yeah. that, I mean, I like Club Chai is a great example. They're all over Fact Magazine. I believe Fazul just recently played Smart Bar in Chicago. So there's a lot going on. Yeah. And now that we're old farts, <laughs> how how do you feel about that? Like, what do you, what kind of new young artists are exciting you right now? Um, I mean, just off the top of my head, I, I, our next episode of Scary Thoughts, mm -hmm. we are having on Andrew Sheets, a.k.a. Meredith. Uh, we're going to talk about the Texas Chainsaw. Mm -hmm. Massacre remake from 2003, which is going to be oh, a very the, weird. The remake. The re that terrible remake. Oh, it's so bad. With Jessica Biel. Um, <laughs> but Meredith does this party with Jillian Narling mm -hmm. called Stereo Argento. Mm -hmm. And that party is fucking bananas. And they just, <laughs> they totally take risks. And that's really exciting. I don't know. I find that I'm most, uh, as I've gotten older, I, I it's hard not to, see things that younger generations are doing and go, 
ah, I've seen that before. But they haven't seen it before, and that's exciting for them, and that's cool. So I'm not over it. It's just not as exciting to me that someone's rediscovered analog synthesizers or something like that, right? Mm -hmm. Because I've lived through several waves of that discovery and had my own long ago. Mm -hmm. I think what I get most excited about is when younger people are making things, and it doesn't really seem like art to me, and it takes me a while to figure out what's going on. Like I just, if I don't really get it, or maybe even if I at first think it's bullshit and they're not fooling anybody. <laughs> right. And then maybe like a couple of months into it, I realized like, oh my God, it was just actually way over my head. Mm-hmm. I needed to ke- I needed to catch up. Mm-hmm. That's exciting to me. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. I'm into that. Meredith, Stereo Argento, an amazing amazing party that I think a lot of people, especially if you are a film nerd and you love drag and you like things kind of weird, this is like a fantastic party. For sure. Yeah. And now we're going to explore Mark Cade's music, actually. We haven't talked about your music yet. Yeah. You have a project called Never Knows. Yeah. And you also do a lot of solo work, have a lot of solo releases. So... What are you working on right now? The biggest project I'm working on right now is I'm in a band with Andy Connors, who formerly of A Minor Forest and currently of Common Eider, King Eider, Mm -hmm. and John Benson, who is also of A Minor Forest. And um, it's the three of us. And it's sort of doom metal, but with synthesizers. Mm Mm-hmm is the easiest way to describe it. It's very droning and aggressive and heavy and slow and angsty. We've been working on it for about a year and a half, still have not played a show or released an album. It's been a very, very slow process. Um, It's been super fun. Um, Next couple of months, I think that some albums and some shows will be coming together. Mm -hmm. The music we've been writing tends to be really complicated maybe too complicated so it takes an excessive amount of practice to nail down that's been my main thing Mm -hmm. i want to get back into my solo work which has taken a bit of a hiatus between the band and the project i do with phonique girl so this year it's just time to roll up my sleeves and dig back into the synthesizers and see what i can make very exciting keep your ears peeled i will definitely be playing his music. Thanks. Hopefully soon. <laughs> <laughs> We're uh, about to play a mix from Mark Kate. And uh, what was there an idea behind the mix or sort of a, a theme or, or anything about the mix that you had created? I didn't have any intentions at first. I sort of just started making playlists and then mm-hmm. shuffling it around and then mixed it. And I think in retrospect, what it was is I. I've been listening to a lot of very droning, very static music lately, music that doesn't do very much. So most of this mix doesn't do very much. It evolves incredibly slowly. I think Mm -hmm. almost maybe two thirds of the tracks have female vocals, which I don't think I realized until I was listening back to it. Mm. A lot of processed vocals for sure. Mm. It's almost entirely electronic or electronic inflected, like there'll be piano, with lots of effects all over it. I also gravitate towards music that is similar to what I'm working on. Like I like to 
go and listen to what other people are doing and see how they've solved sonic problems and maybe i can cheat a little and and take notes i'm very in my own music invested in timbre and i think that slowly evolving music gives you a chance to really hear what the sound is like mm. uh, rapid fire quick change aggressive music you're sort of just keeping up, but something that drones, you really get immersed in what that sound is. Mm -hmm. And I like being able to just sit and let it hit my ears and absorb exactly what the sound is constituted from. Mm. And that's what, how I like to make music too, is just see what my sense can do mm. and take my time trying to hear through them. Yeah. Cool. Very exciting. Uh, you are listening to Infinite Beat. I am Topaz Zoo. Mark, do you have any last words? No, thanks for uh, having me on. Okay, thank you. Thanks for being on the show. And uh, just in a minute or two, we are about to play a mix from Mark Kate. Thank you. Thank you. 